Hey, it's the TV Soup Podcast. My name's David Biggs. Jason Evans sitting across from me. We have uh, just finished up our first premiere broadcast on the retro spectacle. Uh, this is uh, something about uh, television, something about America, something about change. Uh, guys, go back and listen to it. It was a great program. But of course, for those of you who are listening later, this is not live. For those of you that are listening now, this is live. I just thought I would let you know. That's very deep, Dave. Oh, thank you. Yes. And and what well are you done. drinking now? Uh, I am drinking a Cain and Abel Red Rye Ale from our uh, very favorite sponsors, Two Brothers Beer. Mm, I'm also drinking a sponsor beer in Sidekick. Uh, Sidekick is a fantastic extra pale, and uh, I just love the packaging. I don't know why. It's yeah, one of those things. They uh, recently redesigned all their bottles, um, and it looks great. I like the new style. Uh, I've also got a Domaine DuPage French Country Ale. Sweet. Waiting in the wings. Waiting in the wings. Yes. Fantastic work. So this is the TV Suit Podcast, and we are going to be reviewing a number of TV shows, but we don't necessarily that like... number right now is one. Right. We don't necessarily have to just skip around unless we uh, we happen upon just a whole bunch of shows that suck. Uh, that's always a possibility. But or we, a bunch that are really great. Well, yeah, although that would be heartbreaking, you know. Uh, we had so much to talk about. Right. But we're going to uh, review the first two episodes, which together uh, create the season premiere, uh, I suppose, of Better Call Saul, which is a spinoff of Breaking Bad. And uh, the two episodes are called Uno and Miho. That's right. So I want to just alert everyone before we start that there will certainly be spoilers here from Breaking Bad. So uh, although we could try to keep that to a minimum. And what I mean by that, Jason, is just by not anything earth-shatteringly relevant to someone who may not have seen Breaking Bad. Right, yes. We, um, we can still talk about characters from and, and minor, relations to... Minor Breaking Bad spoilers. Minor we spoilers. We will be talking about Better Call Saul, and you will get spoilers for that show, obviously. Yes. And great song, by the way. Fantastic song. It fits with the area that they film it in. Okay. It's uh, a desert song. <laughs> so, uh, so I know that a lot of these uh, programs, uh, they, they come upon people by surprise sometimes. Right. Um, this one certainly did, at least to a lot of people, because they didn't necessarily expect the Breaking Bad franchise that wrapped up uh, to continue on. Um, right. It was an announcement that happened later. In a way, you know, the way that Breaking Bad wrapped up, you know, not to tell you how it wrapped up, but it was very, um, it was it was very deliberate. Yeah. Sure. And, uh, of course, this show uh, is, is starring Bob Odenkork as Saul Goodman, who appeared on Breaking Bad previously, but this series has us go back seven years in the past to explore his character as it developed leading up to the events in Breaking Bad. Right. So in Breaking Bad, uh, Saul Goodman uh, is Bob Odenkirk's character, and he basically uh, is a lawyer for the main character, Walter White. Um, and, you know, you learn about him through all these silly, gaudy commercials on television and him driving his Cadillac around and having a big flashy law office. Um, so, you know, he's a very fun character right away in that show. And what you get in this is basically a uh, look at how he became that guy. Right. Um, so 
Let's just start with a little background for those of you who may not have seen Breaking Bad, for example. Uh, so this show was created by Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould. Is that is Gould is the right way to pronounce that name? Do you have any idea? Yeah, Gould. Uh, Gold? Vince Gilligan created Gould? Breaking Bad. Girl. And Peter Gould is the man who created the character of Saul Goodman. Uh, and then I actually had listened to a Vince Gilligan podcast uh, long ago where he was kind of joking about how he and Peter were one day going to get together and make the Better Call Saul show. So they, they knew it was going to happen. They all sort of, yeah, had an inkling that like there was something there. Now, when writers, uh, when they talk about uh, the characters in their films or their TV shows, a lot of times they have already developed kind of the backstory of that character in order to know what his motivations are, etc., mm-hmm. moving forward into that show. So a character like Saul Goodman who is someone who Bob Odenkirk has to play with a lot of intricacies, um, you would have to know as Bob Odenkirk, and of course as the writers writing out what Saul Goodman's going to do, you'd have to know where he came from and uh, where he was going. Right. So they must have already sort of mapped this out a little bit. And uh, that's great to hear that because, you, of course, you never want uh, some someone to create a series where they're just kind of flying by the seat of their pants because it doesn't work out very well. Right. This definitely had some like proper thought into it. And um, so technically then, like you said, Gilligan and Gould have creator credits for Better Call Saul for this show that we're talking about now. Uh, yep. And, uh, and so Gilligan has been around for quite a while now, sort of writing a lot of science fiction shows before he got into Breaking Bad. And we just had a conversation recently about... How Breaking Bad, although it's not really science fiction, does have a lot of scientific elements in it. And they did a lot of research to make sure that they were uh, portraying everything as correctly and honestly as possible. Right. Like with, when they discuss chemistry, they want to make sure that it, it, they know what they're talking about. With the exception of, uh, of actually how to make uh, methamphetamines. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's a good thing that show is not a how-to based on how many people watched it. Right. Uh, and one of the things that I kind of dug up and I thought interesting, because I was a big X-Files watcher, was that Gilligan was actually one of the major producers and writers on the X-Files, uh, I think towards the middle to the end of it. And uh, they actually had uh, um, Brian Cranston uh, on the show. Uh, at one point, there was an episode, and I remember this episode, uh, where Fox Mulder, David Duchovny, who's the main character uh, in the X-Files, is t- taken hostage by him. And uh, I know this is more Breaking Bad than, than Better Call Saul, but I just love the anecdote. So even back then, this was he was kind of still playing this character uh, that he did in Breaking Bad. Yeah. And so he was someone who could be both, uh, in his words, uh, loathsome and sympathetic at the same time. So someone you hate and someone you could probably understand his motivations and be sympathetic to. Uh Uh, And Gilligan said that Brian uh, was the only actor that could do that, uh, the only one who could pull off the trick. And he said, it is a trick. I have no idea how he does it. So he knew him from a long time ago. It sounds like these guys uh, are, are pretty deliberate and maybe had thought about these things way before they actually happened. Yeah, and I think that, you know, when he wrote this show, or I'm sorry, when he wrote Breaking Bad, he knew that he wanted Brian Cranston to play that part. Yep, He knew that that was going to be one of the best, you know, choices for that. And so this first episode, Uno, which just aired uh, last Sunday, and if you're listening in the future, well, that would be, um, I believe... February 9th. February 9th, February 8th. My apologies. February 8th, 2015. His apologies. 
Uh, it's the best series premiere in cable history. Um, it got something like four and a half million viewers uh, in the demographic that they that they always look to, which is like eighteen to forty five or something like that. Yeah, the the total viewers was six point nine million, which is a good showing for a Game of Thrones episode. It is a good showing for a Walking Dead episode. Right. To have Better Call Saul premiere at that is pretty impressive. I think it has a lot to do with being on Sunday night. Um, but the Grammys were on. I mean, like there was other things on. Yeah, although people are are fast getting over the Grammys, I feel like. Yeah, it did follow the season premiere of Walking Dead. And that's important, too, being that Walking Dead's one of the biggest shows on television. Sure. Well, the preliminary number is only 3.42 on the Monday night airing of the second episode. And I just found out today that uh, the show is actually going to air on Monday nights and not Sunday nights. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. So uh, let's let's dive right into it, right? So, So Uno... Uh, the episode one premiere of season one of the Better Call Saul uh, opens up with this kind of black and white uh, montage of uh, Saul Goodman, who's working now as as this uh, manager or or worker at a Cinnabon, and he's, in Omaha, he's kind of you know just mixing the dough and, and serving out the Cinnabons, etc. And this is important. Because this is uh, carrying over after the last events of Breaking Bad, and in Breaking Bad itself, uh, he had mentioned uh, that you know one of the best case scenarios for him after all that happened there uh, was that he would be managing a Cinnabon in uh, in Omaha. Right, and he clearly looks miserable in it, and you know he makes it back to his apartment. He sits down, um, and it's a very long, you know, scene. Right, it's six, six minutes, minutes, yeah, and uh, there's no talk, there's no dialogue in it at all. Nope. Um, but he sits down and he puts on a video of his old commercials, which I f- I love them. And which in is fact, the first time that there's actually uh, speech and people talking in in that six minutes, right? Uh, of course, the first you know the first voice you hear on this show needs to be Saul Goodman. It needs to be the real Saul Goodman that everyone knows that they're making the show for. It's really the Saul. only way they could do that. They couldn't just dive into him being him, but it's a great way to kind of do set up the entire series as a flashback. You know, well they have. But it to, doesn't feel like one. They have to tie it in. And by the way, so uh, we had said earlier that we were going to play some kind of a drinking game on this. So what I think we should do is drink five every time someone says Saul. So good luck. Oh, to I you. knew you were going to say that. Good luck to you, sir. All right. <laughs> well, we'll what start if you off. say it's all good, man? It's all good, man. <laughs> Cheers. Carry the S. Hmm. Mm. Domain du page. So yeah, as you say, you know, he goes back uh, to where he lives and he kind of shuts the blinds and he's very paranoid and shaky. And uh, and one of the things that uh, we we see later in this TV series, we'll talk about a little bit more, is uh, is his brother Chuck, who's sort of the lawyer that started this big firm. Uh, this guy that maybe he looked up to. We're not really sure about that. But then he has kind of fallen uh, and and now uh, sort of lives in this house with no electricity because he has maybe he has uh, some sort of uh, fear irrational or not of electro uh, magnetic waves um, and I, I've looked this up because I was Feels. very interested in it right yeah that's it's crazy and apparently well, there almost literally there are some people that sort of have this kind of uh, 
uh, of phenomenon happening to them with all these different symptoms, physiological and otherwise. I don't know if this is going to be something that is uh, uh, overarching. I imagine it will, at least for quite a while. But I wonder if it if it isn't some sort of um, you know kind of mirror of of his personality, uh, Jimmy. That is just because he's so paranoid and shaky. Um, uh, we go through now uh, in his younger days, uh, seven years ago anyway, uh, and we find that that same sort of thing was happening to his brother. Now, obviously, he didn't go through the same perils and, and things that, that Jimmy did, although I'm not sure since I don't really know the history of Chuck. This is true. We need to learn that still. They never, I don't think, ever um, hint at him. No, I think he was invented or whatever for this particular show. Yeah. Um, so... So we have these skateboarder brothers. I think they're twins. I'm not sure though. Right. Um, and and they're trying to scam uh, to scam Jimmy, right? Yes, Jimmy McGill uh, is Bob Odenkirk, who is you know eventually destined to become Saul Goodman. Destined. Spoiler alert. Uh, I keep referring to him as Saul. I'm just jumping ahead. Well, um, yes, I, I suppose when we're talking about the show, we should talk to we should call him Jimmy because he's still Jimmy McGill. He, he is Jimmy now, and that's an important distinction. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he um, you know he rips around the corner after getting some bad news, and he smashes a guy with his windshield. And it doesn't take him long to sniff out the scam. It, it was about thirty seconds. Like as soon as it had started happening, I was like, "Wait a second, he's got to he's got to be on this." Well, you know, before that scene, they really built up to it because he was driving. He was driving around in the car for like five minutes. Yeah, like furiously. And like <laughs> he just got off the phone. Uh, maybe he was talking on the phone when it happened. Um, it's one and, of those good director tricks, though, you know, because cause if, if someone was going to slam into the windshield, you would have expected it to happen after like 30 seconds, after a minute. It seems, I don't know exactly how long true. it was, but it was really long. Yeah. At this point, I was just like, well, he's just going to drive. He's just going to drive around. Yeah. I like I like the uh, <laughs> the bold move of then just kicking the guy in the leg. <laughs> the leg that the guy claims is broken. Just right. kicking him in the leg. And the guy pops right up. Um, but yeah, I mean, those guys, maybe they will or won't have a larger part to play. Um, maybe they get in trouble again down the line and they need Saul to bail them out. Um, but they certainly, like you said, uh, were needed a little bit later in the next episode. Yeah, I know. I do feel like they were kind of written in there just as this particular device specifically to to get to the next character and the next confrontation. So I kind of feel bad about that unless they are brought back up somehow. But they're such idiots. I well, don't see how they could be brought back to the way. show. He's a lawyer and he needs a client. That's how this show is going to work. He's always going to need a client of some sort. So there's almost always going to be that. So maybe it, they'll be better. I mean, I don't even think, you know, let's be honest. I don't think that the other characters that they were trying to uh, the, the other people he was trying to hi- uh, get hired by, the guy who stole $1.3 million, apparently, uh, they seem pretty boring, too. Well, they're all going to be boring. This is, is If it's just a lawyer thing, I mean, it's, it's going to be a oh, bunch a of point. boringness. By the way, uh, now we have to drink anytime someone says Jimmy or Saul because Saul is not fair if we're not referring to well, him by that no, name. No, that's, that, that's where the, the it comes in correctly. If you're saying Saul, then you're saying it wrong and you should have to drink. If you're saying Jimmy, then you're saying it right. And maybe you should make the other person it's drink. It's all about perspective. All right, I'll drink for that. I don't know. I All the drinking. So um, so you're, you're right. Uh, and that's kind of a disheartening thought. You know, this is very early in the season, and we're going to talk about both of these episodes. 
But if if things do end up not being very exciting from like you know case to case, that's going to be a tough show to watch because there has to be something else going on than him and his brother and his fear of electromagnetic you know forces. Well, he's trying to fight the law firm for the money, um, and he's trying to dig out from you know underneath. Well, where let's he's let's, at right let's now. move on. There's there's some other things to go through before we talk about how the show will. Uh, end up being. I think we both kind of agree that we we like it. So at least for the time being, I'm oh yes, board. I definitely like it so far. Yeah, um, but yes. Yeah, so so skateboarding brothers may or may not come back up. Doesn't really matter at this moment. But I do think, and you sort of agreed with me that they're kind of just a plot device, uh, at least for this series of episodes, in order to make things happen. Um, we have learned that all the the montages that they feature in the show are going to be awesome. Uh, I know uh, our friend Bill, who was over here the other day watching the show with us, brought up that point, and it's very true. Uh, something that Gilligan's really good at, and uh, Breaking Bad was very good at, and some of the things that he did in the past were very good at. So we can always expect there to be probably you know uh, one sequence or two in this show um, per episode or, or two. You know, I don't know exactly how often they're going to do it, but that are really well laid out and planned and done yeah. uh, to to provoke emotion and tension. There's some like almost famous montages from Breaking Bad now. There's the one along with Crystal Blue Persuasion, uh, which is apparently a song that they were saving to use. They use it like towards the end of season four. Like he knew about that song from the very beginning, how like perfect it went with the meth. He's very deliberate. Oh yeah, incredibly. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the you know the acting on this show is very good, and it could even be great. Uh, the writing has the potential to be great, and the film make like the cinematic quality of it is spectacular. Yep. So is is this episode depressing? The first episode, because I kind of think it is. Uh, I'm asking you where it sits on a scale of one to leftovers. I don't think that it is as depressing as Leftovers, but it certainly belongs on this scale. Because it was a depressing episode. I didn't finish it, like, thinking, oh, cool! Like, it's, like, you know, he's got a fucked up life. Let's be honest. Like, Everything he's was- kind of a fucked up lawyer. He's a fucked up guy. Uh, we know that he's kind of a skeezy lawyer. Uh, this is how somebody becomes someone like that. Almost. Yeah, everything was kind of terrible for... Vince Gilligan likes to see people fall from grace, yet still be very sympathetic, apparently. Uh, yeah, so... so Bob Odenkirk is going to be the next guy who can do that. Well, what he likes to do, um, not all the time, but I guess you know more recently, is sort of uh, flip the, uh, the protagonist to be the antagonist. Um, and, uh, you know, that can work in several different ways with both major and minor characters. But I think what he wants to do is change someone radically over the course of a series and not really let you realize what's happening until it's already happened. Yeah. So you still have this kind of love for the character. And right now what we're building, I guess, um, with, with Jimmy is this kind of, um, this kind of sympathy, like you said, towards him and his plight, uh, where he is currently in life. Right, he's just a struggling public DA. Yeah, and so we're public like, oh defender, man, well, you know, everything just DA. sucks with this guy. He can't even uh, get enough stickers on his uh, on his card to get uh, <laughs> get out of the parking lot. Mike is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, and he hasn't been named in the show yet, but that is another character from Breaking Bad, uh, who um, you know was a fun one and. So far, their interactions have been great. 
So, uh, so, which mustache is more ridiculous, uh, Jimmy's oh, or, or Walter White's? Saul slash Jimmy, yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, let's drink to that. Walter White can wear it. I suppose. I think they're both pretty ridiculous, I'll be honest. So you were talking about the... Um, you were talking about the montage, especially the montage in episode two. And I just want to talk about the talent on this show so far. So it's probably rare that there's a show with... Like, the biggest actor in this show is Bob Odenkirk, who is not known as an actor necessarily other than what he did in breaking bad but the talent on this show is incredible vince gilligan right they've got michelle mclaren directing episodes she directed episode two uh she does she did episodes of the leftovers of game of thrones of hell on wheels of walking dead she did lots of breaking bad and has won awards for what she's done with breaking bad well now now they're in the spotlight you know high profile after finishing Breaking right and of course like she is gonna work with vince gilligan still um, but, and Odenkirk, you know, that's what they get on this kind of show. Oh yeah, and Odenkirk, that's the kind of pedigree this shit has. Odenkirk is a uh, uh, a character actor, and he's very good at that. And he's only, I mean, he did Saul Goodman, and he did the guy in Fargo, and now he's doing this. He hasn't really done much else. No, he's he's done. He com- was a, he's it, done comedy shows where he has to act like something. So I right, mean, he did. I don't know if you saw Mr. T- show with Bob and David. Tim and Eric, awesome show, great job. He had a whole bunch of roles in there. Tom goes to the mayor. He was in there all the time. Okay, so he's done a lot of sketch comedy, of course. Yes, improv. I think these guys know him as someone who can do whatever it takes, whatever they ask of him. Yeah, he's a writer on Birthday Boys, which is a, another you know uh, sketch show that we like. But you're right. He was on Conan O'Brien. He was on the Ben Stiller show. He was on. Uh, um, uh, uh, Dennis Miller show before that he was uh, he was a writer of Tenacious D like so he he's been sort of all over the place yeah but I like his career if if he's only he's becoming a serious leading actor though well if only that's be, something he's never done because he participated in the Dana Carvey show and survived you know that that in and of itself <laughs> should should mean that he's going to be a, a fantastic you know a staple uh, uh, writer and director and character actor for years to come. But uh, you're right. He he's not really been popular. He's not really had this kind of role in a show, especially like on an HBO show like this. So this is a, a brand new thing for him. Yeah, I mean, and I'm excited because it seems like he's going to be good at it. He certainly fits the character very well, and he's very comfortable in it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one more. Uh, the guy who directs the next episode, Terry McDonough, uh, he did something that we like, which relates to Doctor Who. Uh, do you remember the um, adventure in space and time? It was kind of a dramatization of the start of the show, how the BBC came up with it, and how they originally started making the show. Sure, he is the director of that. Yeah, that was that was a, a wonderful program as well. But it's it's cool too because so this is a show where you've get Vince Gilligan and Michelle McLaren directing episodes. Then you've got this guy who that's arguably his biggest credit. What I just mentioned about the Doctor Who thing, I mean, and that like nobody knows about that. He has directed some Breaking Bad. Well, I wouldn't know about. I don't know about. Nobody knows. I mean, we just talked about uh, recently how how amazingly large Doctor Who is. Yeah, but that was just a drama put on by the. It wasn't actually Doctor Who. It's, it was about Doctor Who. Well, I mean, it's part of the it's part of the thing, right? And Vince Gilligan is this big sci fi guy. Like, I, I bet he loves that stuff. I bet he eats it up. I wonder what the. Uh, He's probably a Doctor Who fan from way back. He's oh, got, you know who wrote Adventure in Space and Time? I bet you could guess. Vince Gilligan? 
No, no, no. It would be a Doctor Who writer, of course. Oh, I don't remember but his it's name, not but I know who Steven. it is. Steven. It's the guy who acts in a lot of them. And, right, Mark Gaddis. Yeah, Mark Gaddis. Who is uh, also... Uh, uh, Sherlock's brother on the BBC Sherlock. Anyway, there's a lot of there's a lot of connections here because all of these guys. How do we get this to Kevin Bacon? All these guys run in in uh, in similar circles, um, but I think that that Gilligan uh, in particular has been sort of propelled to stardom here in the U.S. because of this show. Uh, granted, he worked on things like The X Files, but right after that, uh, he kind of had a lull in his career where he tried to he tried to bring stuff up like uh, the the Lone Gunman, which failed, and there was another another show I can't remember. There was some kind of sci-fi show that ran for a year and failed. Um, so before Breaking Bad, he did have kind of a lull in in his career. Not that everyone can hit it out of the park 100 percent of the time, but yeah. Um, so so Miho. Um, we we conclude the first episode Uno right uh, by everyone sort of uh, getting to this house and what happened was um, they had rigged up this scam so that the skateboarding guys would hit the car of the possible clientele that Jimmy had lined up right uh, but what happened instead is that a similar car drove by in the same time period. That, uh, that Betsy, who is the person that they were really supposed to target, was going to be there. Instead, it was this uh, ab- abuelito, uh, this, this little grandma, uh, who happened to be the grandma of Tuco. Yes. <laughs> and, Tuco, a gangster from Baking Bad. Yes. And, and so the, the cool thing that I think, you know, I'm seeing we're going to see a lot of these based on the talents of these guys, but they all basically... Uh, end this episode by going into that house and we don't see what happens with them yeah um and so the very end of uno is tuco just reaching a gun out the front door and dragging jimmy in the house so miho opens up not with what happens after that but what happens before that in tuco's perspective which is the kind of stuff that i really like on television because uh, they only tell the perspective of the people that you can see from whatever view you're looking at uh, whatever you know, there can't the, be a narrator which tells you what goes on inside. Right. So I I love when you can at any time sort of take the perspective of another character, rewind it back a little bit to get the context of the situation from and then both you, sides. Then then you watch it meet up, and then you continue on, and then it merges. Right. So you're telling more than one story at the same time, which is what a lot of them try to do, but are not always very good at. They're doing a very good job at it in this show so far, and this show is a lot about sort of doing that kind of thing because it is essentially a giant flashback. Uh, sure, but uh, hopefully, you know, and I'm hoping that, that that's what they think too, the, that it will stand on its own merits because otherwise they wouldn't have done it, I don't think. Maybe they're trying to beat uh, Twin Peaks for like levels of Inception. <laughs> well, that's a whole other show, Twin Peaks. Uh, that, that was a great show. Uh, so, so flipping the perspective, I loved, um, and then the the change of scenery that happens afterwards. Um, I mean, unless you want to talk about uh, all all of the stuff that Tuco and his grandma uh, are talking about in the cleaning house. the salsa off of the couch, off of the carpet. Don't forget the club soda, right? Which is a I very get the club soda, a very good comedic moment. Uh, I, She's the kind of grandma that sort of knows what's going on and just understands. Okay, he's being serious. I need to just go upstairs. Well, yeah, because you don't want to get that guy mad at you. He, you know, okay, so Tuco is a gangster and a badass. And just like seeing him on the screen for the first time, you would probably get the impression right away that he's a badass gangster and he's not to be trifled with. But 
one of the fun things about watching this show that's going to, you know, that all of the Breaking Bad fans are going to get are these little just nods and Easter eggs. I don't think that any of them are really going to tip you towards major plot points or spoil anything or let you know more than other people necessarily. But what it's going to do is just make you smile a lot throughout the whole episode. Because right away you're like, oh shit, that's Tuco. Yeah, well, Tuco comes into the scene just cooking dinner for, for himself and his grandma. Right, it's very innocent. Yeah, so you wouldn't necessarily think uh, anything of it. Of course, there was the fact that he did pull a gun on Jimmy and drag him into the house. And as we learn later, he is definitely already a gangster. Yeah, and, and so when he's smashing uh, the faces of the little skateboarding brothers in with uh, his, his, his uh, grandma's, grandma's cane, cane. then you, you know that he's a badass. He means um, business. I think any any ideas or preconceptions you had before that, if you didn't know who Tuco was, are kind of wiped away. Uh, right. And then they all go to the desert. Yes. And, and so, that, that's one of the fun things about the show is they can go out to the desert and shoot these awesome scenes. Yeah. And uh, and you see parallels here to uh, to scenes in Breaking Bad. Uh, you know, and the, and there's a lot of uh, interesting dialogue in this scene, and it's dragged out for uh, an entire commercial break. Yeah, uh, it was long. So it's a really long scene. It's very tense. They go out there, they build tension, and there's still comedy in there too. Uh, you know, basically, uh, Jimmy is not really able to talk You're and defend himself. Doing a good job himself. with the Jimmy thing. I'll drink for that. Oh, thank you. He's not. He's not really able to uh, to talk okay. and defend himself. Um, properly, um, he's he's not he's not as good as you would expect him to be. Yeah, so so you I guess you you figure that at this point he hasn't been under a lot of pressure in his life thus far. Exactly, uh, and and that's going to change. So that's one of the reasons why this is a real pivotal scene in the series because if we're going to take this transformation from someone that we know is is sort of this this guy who's good at heart and wants to do well but uh, is really doing badly uh, in his own personal life to someone that ends up turning into uh, Saul who ends up being uh, someone who's a little bit more on the criminal side of things. Sure. Um, at least the sketchy side. Then we need to know... He's slipping Jimmy after all. We need to know his journey and it's going to be fun to see it, you know. I think so. Uh, so... Beforehand, we kind of had this dark comedy thing going on with the show, but now we have this real violence. I mean, Tuco wanted to skin them alive. He wanted to rip out their throats and drag them up through their, uh, you know, I don't know. He had a different word for all the different ways he wanted to kill them. Oh, yeah. It was impressive. That guy, you know, he may only know one thing, but he knows it well. Yep. He certainly does. So this is real tension, real violence, uh, but we were still able to get those little quips um, and surprisingly, or not surprisingly, uh, based on your viewpoint, I guess, you know, Jimmy was actually able to use his lawyer-like traits uh, and turn the situation around so that these poor kids didn't die. Um, and right. that's that's great, although he put himself in, in real harm's way over this and sort of proved that he has balls of at least aluminum. You know, <laughs> even if they're not big brass ones, if not brass or steel. Well, there was a great line uh, in that sequence when uh, they're like, sort of agree that all he's going to do is break their legs, and they're breaking his legs. They scream at him. They go, "You're a terrible lawyer!" And he goes, "I'm the greatest lawyer there is." You know, I just pled an execution down to a probation. Yeah, and there's plenty of comedy here. Uh, the salsa spill, like we mentioned earlier. Uh, and the dialogue in the desert, like when do we get onto arms? 
uh, was funny. Right. And uh, at one point, he pretended to be uh, an FBI agent and told him that this is Operation King Buster or something. <laughs> and so Tuco goes, that makes me the king. Yahoo! <laughs> and so I, you know, everybody has this sort of sense of uh, take yourself seriously, but but you're also just real people living your life. You're not a character. You are, um, you know, what you're, you say you are. Yes. And uh, Tuco's really good at that. He's a psychotic hellraiser who also cooks dinner for his grandmother and speaks in very soft tones when that's called for. Um, and the other new gangster that we are introduced to is uh, Nacho, apparently. I, I didn't catch his name during the episode, but yep. his name is Nacho. Uh, Michael Mando from Orphan Black, who was excellent in Orphan Black as kind of a ancillary character who... Mm, I don't want to spoil it with it. It's a good show. Uh, but he does a good job in that show. Yeah. Uh, I look forward to seeing him in this show. And he feels a, like a very similar character that he plays, right? Feels close to it, right? To Does it feel that way to you? Yeah, so he seems like kind of a confident character that's playing a role, but you know wants to step outside that role, but could easily get in trouble for doing so. Um, someone who wants to take things into his own hands when maybe he shouldn't. Um, okay. And yeah. so, so yeah, he's he's sort of too big for his britches, but he's like a very confident uh, guy. Uh, hopefully, his character develops. I do like it. Uh, and then, obviously, this is where Jimmy's kind of struggling with his conscience, right? Right. He's got to decide, like, is he going to make this guy mad? Uh, although, the guy doesn't really threaten him in the end. He just kind of makes him an offer. So, this is after the desert scene, and Nacho walks into his office, in quotation marks, because it's in the back of, like, a nail salon. <laughs> um, which, is, they really do really well on these scenes. You know, like, he he has to basically disassemble his whole office just to uh, unfurl his bed, get the pillow out, and grab yeah. some gin. Get the pillow out of the file cabinet. And... Uh, he, of course, has to do the whole thing back up because he has a client in Walks Nacho, and he wants to, because Jimmy had spilled the beans about one of his clients that were embezzling money, um, find out where the money was and take it and give him a 10% cut. So we see Jimmy say no right away. He has always been uh, sort of um, represented so far in this show as a, as a genuinely nice person who has people's best interests at heart. Jimmy seems like a guy who wants to join the group of lawyers that his brother uh, was in when he created the law firm. Yeah, he'd love to be just a, like a regular lawyer guy trying to do good by people. Uh, making money too, of course, you know, right. but doing good by people. But he does kind of exist in this, uh, in this sort of area in between good and bad because he can't make any money what he's currently doing. So he has to do something. Right. And now he's presented with this choice. Uh, maybe he should call Nacho. If he just figures out where this money is, maybe he could get a hundred grand. It may be worth it. And now he's getting further in debt. Like uh, apparently he had to pay for the emergency room bills of the, of the skateboarding twins, which I don't understand because I don't know whether that'd be on him. Well, I mean, I think you pay for that and move on. <laughs> I think you count that as cutting your losses from that event. Are you going to have the argument that like you shouldn't have to pay that when you're all done with that, when you drive those guys to the hospital? Me? If, I, if, if you're I in Jimmy's shoes? Pay for it? I mean, after saving their lives? 
after saving their life, after getting them into a life-threatening situation in the first place. Yeah, I think that's another reason why he's just this really trying to be a really good guy because most people probably wouldn't do that, and so he's still. Yeah, Saul Goodman might have just you know called an ambulance and left him on the corner. Right, so he's trying to be still on the straight and narrow path, uh, regardless of of what he might actually run into uh, in life. Yeah. Um, so, uh, again, we know that, that he will eventually become Saul, who appears in Breaking Bad, unless this is an alternate reality show, which it could be since Vince Gilligan is so into science fiction. Oh, good call. But I doubt it. <laughs> so, he's ultimately a good man, Jimmy, but he's going to somehow turn into Saul, who is not really a good man. So, I'm going to consider this the fun part, to see how he gets to the point where he is at the beginning of the series, which is at the end of Breaking Bad. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be another like almost not not quite anti-hero, not an anti-hero as much as uh, as Walt was. Walt like you know killed people. Uh, I don't think that Saul or Jimmy will do that. Well, we don't know, but we don't think so. At least not right now. Um, so I'm still not completely understanding this relationship that Jimmy and his brother have. Uh, the electromagnetic thing is, is apparently called an idiopathic environmental intolerance, uh, attributed to electromagnetic fields, which is a disorder diagnosed. Oh, you mean IEIEMF? Exactly. Oh. So it's pretty. I need to say so. It's just pretty crazy. Uh, and I hope that, like, that the writers know where they're going. Now, we keep talking about them being deliberate. So it makes sense that this would be a step. Uh, on a ladder that leads us to a location. However, I just don't see it right now. And I'm not sure that this character and this relationship are interesting to me. I don't really like the scenes that are at uh, his brother's house. You don't like the blanket? It's kind of stupid. Look, I like that Michael McKean is playing this character. I like I think that actor. he can do a good job at it. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. It needs to go somewhere. It needs to go somewhere fast. Otherwise, it's just like, what is this guy if doing? There's, if there's three more episodes of him just <laughs> dealing with his brother being nuts and like... Throwing cell phones. Using a cooler for all of his food and all that crap, then yeah, you're going to lose me on that front. Yeah, and, and if you lose him on that front, then all you really have is... It would need a huge payoff at the end to be worth it. All you really have is Tuco and Nacho and gangsters uh, and, and criminal the annoying, lawyer. And then the annoying law firm that his brother used to be a part of. And then him occasionally working a trial where he tries to get someone off, which he can't do. Right. I mean, this show... The, the show can go anywhere still. The show could end up being terrible in the first season because they can't find a place for it to really realistically go or they they could uh you know really switch things around on us or bring stories together that we didn't think would would happen well one thing we know there's going to be a lot of it a few weeks into filming the first season amc picked up the second season of 13 episodes yeah so that's you know they haven't started making it yet uh but that'll be coming you know next year but like we said, you know, the the cinematography and the acting and the writing, it's all good. So as long as the story can be interesting. It's all good, man. Yeah, exactly. So as long as the story can be interesting uh, a little bit, then it's going to carry for at least several seasons. Um, and the story is currently set with Nacho and Jimmy partnering up, perhaps, to go out on their own series of misadventures throughout the season. Uh, it could be the overarching storyline that they just try to find the uh, embezzlement money 
while a bunch of other stuff is going on. Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be a little weird if he interacted with the Tuco a lot in this. I don't think it'll be a lot of Tuco. I think it'll be a lot of Nacho. Yeah, I think so. But, you know, they can't... But you'll see him. I don't think that they're going to be able to dip too much into the Breaking Bad storylines without making people mad. Well, again, like... And, and, and I think their best... It's always going to make people to go mad. away from it or to develop backstory for it. Well, it's it's backstory always because it is happening in the past. But I don't think that there's much Tuco and Saul uh, interaction in the future. Is all I'm saying. Well, I you know I don't want to look at like the upcoming episodes and see who's in them, etc. That's not something that I generally do. Right. Uh, so I'm just going to. You like keep... to watch next time on? I don't. No, I <laughs> do not. I think those are spoilers. I uh, I'm against spoilers. I see. Well, I guess if you're going to watch it like a week from then, you probably won't even remember what happened the next time on. But a lot of times, those next times, they spoil stuff, you know? It, it kind of sucks to, to know that something's going to happen or you're going to see this character before it happens a week in advance. That's I, true. But it doesn't... It's not really a spoiler. It's not like it's uh, it's showing you exactly what's going to happen. Um, so, uh, one of the things that we talked about was... Uh, that fans of Breaking Bad are going to tune into a related series, uh, if only to see what the hype is about. And that's probably the reason why the original ratings for the first episode were so tremendous. And I'm not taking anything away from from the people who work on this show or the show itself, but without that Breaking Bad, and if this show was just by itself on its own merits, it would not be anywhere close to that. Um, So uh, what... Can this bet- show is definitely playing up the fact that it has that pedigree. Oh, of course. And, and and more power to them. It's using it to their advantage. But how can Better Call Saul like, keep the people that are Breaking Bad fans, which I would probably go ahead and say are more than half of its viewership, uh, glued to the TV? Um, look, I don't think that they need to pander too much to the Breaking Bad fans. But they are. We just talked about this. Notes everywhere, like, you know. No, no, no. It's, okay. I, I, I think that pandering would be uh, running storylines directly relating to Breaking Bad, which they're not doing. But if people... They're giving little winks and nods. But that's what people like, then they've been so invested in the series. But Vince Gilligan loves to wink and nod at the audience when he's giving them a And a lot of the showrunners that we like on similar shows so you're get do the that. same thing. Yeah. That's fine. Some but, shows, it works on better. You can't have that on a show like Game of Thrones. But when I ask the question... But it works well here. The answer is, he's going to continue to give winks and nods to the Breaking Bad fans. Yes, but that's not pandering. Of course it is. A uh, little bit. Look... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, of course pandering, pandering is doing something lame because you're going to be popular. Vince Gilligan just likes doing that. I think that it's kind of a natural thing for him to do. Just because he likes pandering does not mean that just it's he likes any less pandering. Uh, I, I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying they have to do that. Call they have to will. keep those people involved because of that course. is the majority of the fan base right now. This could develop into something that becomes a really good show in and of itself. Next week's numbers will be very telling as to how many people I think are going to be watching the show for the rest of the year. Well, I I think we'll after see if it's closer to the three point three or whatever, or closer to the six point four. After the violence of last show and the comedy has been good and the acting and drama has been very decent on the show, so they just need a little more sex. And yeah, but good. it's AMC. You're not going to get that much. Well, you get something. I mean, it has to happen, doesn't it? Well, he was flirting up a. 
chesty broad at the bar. Well, except for all those uh, little pretzel all sticks or whatever. Breaking, yeah, the breadsticks. <laughs> That's another uh, one of those uh, montages that we were talking about Kinda, earlier. Kind of, yeah, yeah. It was just back and forth. It was like, oh, you're so beautiful. Man, we're getting drunk. And then it was like, oh, I remember the leg. Oh, God, the leg. That wasn't a clean and break. And then you wound up going home with a pho- cell phone in his pocket. <laughs> well, I... Did you ground yourself? I can totally do without that character. That makes no sense to me whatsoever. I, I don't know, but I think I'm going to start asking people that when they enter my house. Did you ground yourself? Did you ground yourself? Very nice, sir. Very nice. So what's the title of the next episode? It is called Nacho. Well, then you know what's going to happen here. It's going to be about Nacho. It's going to be the misadventures of Nacho and Jimmy. Slip and Jimmy and Nacho. Interesting. Uh, no, I mean, I think what we'll see is uh, is Nacho probably pressuring Jimmy a little bit more each episode until he caves in. Or perhaps Jimmy He's caves Nacho in. He's Nacho regular drug dealer. <laughs> or perhaps Jimmy caves in right away. And uh, Maybe Jimmy you know, calls him. Ends up doing something that he doesn't want to because he doesn't Jimmy have slips. any. Because doesn't have any money. He doesn't have any like uh, any other way to uh, to live. To and he needs to help support his brother too. And he can't even get cucumber water for free. It's bullshit. You know. I mean, the least she could do is give him some cucumber He's water. Got to be paying rent there. <laughs> I mean, I don't paying know. customers only. Sexual favors. How is he? How is a uh, being a tenant not a paying customer? <laughs> yes. Yes. So, uh, so I don't know. Do you have any, any closing thoughts? Anything that you think uh, this will sort of evolve into? Any characters that you think we might see from Breaking Bad in the next couple episodes? Um, I suppose you could see a few minor characters. I'd love to see Bill Burr. I don't know how that would work, but Bill Burr was really fun in Breaking Bad. It'd be fun to have him back. Sure. Um, but uh, Mike is the guy. I- I'm anxious to see how Mike and, uh, and Saul develop their relationship. Uh, but I suppose the biggest uh, person who I suspect we might see would be um, Gus. At some point, maybe next season or something like that, you could maybe see Gus uh, for like a, a moment. For a moment. Just casually, yeah. See Gus. Just Gus in passing. Right. Like it wouldn't even be like because he was a big fucking deal. No, th- there's probably going to be a couple characters that you see just like passing by on the street or something. Right, like Badger is going to walk down the street. Like that could totally happen. So, I mean, they can Pandering. That'll be one of the <laughs> nods I was going to say. An Easter egg. Noddering. You know, whatever. Call it what you will. <laughs> well, you it may know be pandering, is, but I didn't say it was bad. I just I said that it had to be. It has to be that way. Pandering is just a mean way of saying preaching to the choir. If you're the showrunner of this show and you're the showrunner of the previous show, you must uh, like put some of that in. You have to. Of course. I, I'm sure that almost every uh, spin-off show does that. Mm-hmm. It's a requirement. It's a requirement. It's a reason why people watch. It's a reason why people watch. Okay. <laughs> So, do you have any uh, final thoughts on the episodes that we just watched? We just went over our final thoughts. Your final thoughts are my final thoughts, man. Okay. We. Then, I, uh, I am bored. I enjoyed the episodes. <laughs> I look forward to next week. I look forward to our discussion next Tuesday following our discussion of Douglas Adams. So, uh, stay tuned. Uh, next Tuesday, we'll be back at 9 o'clock, and we're going to talk about Douglas Adams. And then after that, probably between 10 or 10.30, uh, we will talk about 
the next episode of Breaking of uh, Better Call Saul. Breaking Bad. I need to. I, that, that should be a drinking rule for sure. You should drink for that, sir. Every time you accidentally say Breaking Bad. Well, I know that we're both glad that this show is on the air, and we both think that it's good. So we just hope that it continues in that direction. Yes. So uh, it, it has promise. So yeah, this I like is, what I've seen. This has been the first episode of uh, of TV Super, and we hope to bring you a whole bunch of really cool reviews of great shows and terrible ones in the future. Uh, so if you have any questions or uh, or anything like that, just check us out at drink5.com. You can email us individually at davidrink5.com or jason at drink5.com. Uh, I answer emails faster than Jason, so that's all. I challenge you. To that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, join us next week for the retro spectacle and for the TV soup.